0: Hello, everyone. Our guest today is Raj Dadada. He has brought 10 years of enterprise and entrepreneurial experience with him when he co-founded his current company, Bloomreach. Before launching the company, he was entrepreneur residence at More Davido Ventures. Prior to that, he served as Cisco's director of product marketing and was on the founding team of telecom company Firstmark, LambdaNet, which grew to $80 million in run rate, in ARR, I presume. He also worked in technology investment banking at Lazard Freres. He holds a Bachelor of Science in Electrical Engineering from Princeton University and an MBA from Harvard Business School. His thoughts on navigating the challenges of high growth startups can be found on his blog at ddata.com. That's dot com. Raj, are you ready to take us to the top? I am, absolutely. All right, tell us more about Bloomreach. What's the company doing, and how do you make money?
1: Absolutely. So, what Bloomreach is, is, is we're in the business of offering a platform to power digital experiences. So, think of every interaction you have online you go out, you buy a pair of shoes, you look for a date, you're organizing a movie all of those experiences online can be can be pretty painful. And, and the, the start of the company was really asking the question, why couldn't every experience on the web feel the way it does at Netflix or at Amazon or at Uber or some of the sort of much more modern tech companies out there? When we think of enterprise brands, the banks and the airlines and the insurance companies and all of the other big businesses we interact with in the world, their digital experiences feel nothing like Netflix and Google and and and, and the like. So we came, we came about trying to say, let's create a great digital platform that makes it possible for every enterprise in the world to build an amazing digital experience. And let's offer that platform to everybody. Let's get 7 billion people around the world to have an amazing digital experience. That's why we started the company. And fast forward now several years later, we make money in a SaaS-based business model. So we offer uh, our services in the form of a subscription
0: and large enterprises sign up and 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 we drive their uh, digital presences. And are we talking give me a sense here of generally on average in a year they're paying 10 grand, 100 grand, a million, 10 million, what's general size?
1: Yeah, average uh, uh, average ASP for us is around 250k per year. We've got several clients that pay us more than a million dollars a year. Yep. So it's an
0: enterprise uh type business. And what pricing leverage do you use to drive expansion ARPU? Is it number of site locations like a Neiman Marcus or or what are those utility metrics?
1: Yeah. So there's a, a bunch of ways by which we grow. We grow because people, when they launch digital properties, websites, and apps, they'll often do it in many countries. So they'll have different properties. They will own many brands. You mentioned Neiman Marcus. Neiman Marcus owns a selection of brands beyond Neiman. Williams Sonoma, another one of our clients, also owns Pottery Barn, Pottery Barn Kids. So they'll have multiple brands they'll pay us more, you know, when that's the case. Uh, and then, and then we'll charge them more as their page views grow. And as their traffic grows, you know, then they'll use more of the platform. And finally they buy more products from us. That's when they buy more products then that's an expansion in, in, uh, in the amount that we charge.
0: So number of languages, site impressions, and just pure additional product upsells Additional products. That's right. Interesting. Okay. Give me more of the backstory here. So when did you launch the company?
1: Yeah, so, you know, started working on the company in uh, 2009, uh, and it was a small team of us, myself, my co-founder, Ashu, who had built a lot of the search engine at Google, and we pulled a team of people mostly out of Google. It was a group of five or six of us, and the original pitch was, if we can build a platform that you can plug any website or app into, and it's going to immediately generate highly relevant experiences for consumers, wouldn't that improve the consumer experience and drive more revenue for whoever's publishing the website or app? And if we could build that platform, it would serve everybody. So we spent about a year, year and a half kind of in R&D, built a machine learning system around that basic problem, proved that it could work by kind of 2010, started to approach a set of clients, and really only launched the company publicly in 2012, uh, or maybe it was end of 2011. And that was when we sort of began to take it to market.
0: And how did you support yourself in those first two, three years? You guys just had savings from Cisco and Google that you lived off of or what?
1: Yeah, so we definitely did that for a period of time. Eventually, we had our first um, investor, Ajay Agarwal, who's a partner at Bain Capital Ventures. He put in the initial $5 million. And, you know, kind of our pitch to him was pretty simple. It was sort of, if we build this platform, it's going to transform every website and app in the world. Wouldn't that be a great business? Yes. And so the risk here is really the technical risk of whether we can build a machine learning self-learning system that could work for any website or app in the world. And so to mitigate the technical risk, we got to hire the 10 best engineers we know who are at places like Google and Facebook and recruit them in. And so uh, he put in the original $5 million. We said we wouldn't really spend it. We'll just perfect the platform. And once it was it was up and running, then we'll start approaching clients for for, for revenue. So
0: today, how much total have you raised? So today
1: we've raised $100 million.
0: Okay. So obviously significant capital raising after that um, was, you know, I want people to make sure they pull the right lessons from this interview. I mean, one of the reasons you were able to get $5 million early on, obviously, is because of your guys' backgrounds, right? It's not as simple as just saying, look, here it is. It's going to be a success. Yeah. Boom, right? Yeah. Yep. That's so
1: right. it was, you know, I had, I'm a third time entrepreneur. I've done this before. Ashu was a well-regarded machine learning kind of guru out there. So it was our backgrounds. And I think we had a crisp problem statement that was pretty different nowadays. The use of AI and machine learning is is popular. In 2010, 2009, we were very early in saying, we're going to have every website and app in the world powered by that. And so it was a, a distinct message and a distinct proposition of, hey, we'll do something pretty different with this class of technology, solve it in a different way with a different kind of team and with a fairly clear business idea that we were going to go after enterprises and a SaaS-based pricing model. And so we were fairly clear what we wanted to kind of go about doing. And what's interesting
0: so many years later is the mission of the company hasn't changed. So what have you scaled to today in terms of total customers you're working with?
1: Yeah, so we we work with uh, about 250 large enterprises and uh, they have tens of brands each. So if you think about it in terms of websites or apps, it's probably a thousand plus. If you think about it in terms of companies, it's probably two hundred and fifty.
0: The number you gave me earlier of the two hundred and fifty grand ACV, though, that's really per that's per company you're working with, right? Per two hundred and fifty that you work with, or no? It's per website or something else? Yeah. So
1: that's 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 an average per account, and and you can think of the scale of the business as being between fifty and hundred million dollars.
0: Yeah. Uh, are. I was just going to say, so if I take 250 times 250 grand a year, you know, you're cranking somewhere, you know, 5.2 ish, I think per month that comes out to or somewhere around what, you know, 55, 60 million annually right now.
1: Yeah, and so when we have services revenue, you know that we uh, charge for as well, because when people use our platform, they have to implement it, and we support them through that. So you can think of our our or our total revenue as as between fifty and one hundred.
0: Got it. Now uh, of the of the number that I just gave out, though, the basically five million a month is that pure play SaaS, the two hundred and fifty, or did you include the the professional services in the two hundred and fifty ACV? I, I did not include okay. the professional services in the ACV. And is one of the reasons, so tell me tell me the correlation between how you think about professional services and what that's done to help you reduce your churn. I assume you're you're basically taking that money in to do onboarding and things.
1: That's right. We do a couple of things with professional services. We help with onboarding. We help with uh, analytical services. people who use our services. How do they get more value out of the software once they've bought it? Uh, we'll do things like premium support services. So some of them are technical in nature. Some of them are business consulting in nature. We also have a very large partner community. So we'll do training of partners and certify them on our platform. All of that is services.
0: And so diving deep into some unit economics here for a second, what is your churn today? Or how do you think about it?
1: Yeah. So we think of, you know, gross churn for, for an enterprise business, we think best in class, you know, you want to be at no more than say 10 to 12% gross churn. And we're in that range. And then you want to be pretty close to 0% net churn or negative net churn. And we're we're there as well, because we have a a healthy
0: upsell business. Just Uh, to be clear, that's that range you gave That's 10 to 12% gross revenue churn annually and negative churn obviously annually as well for net. Yes. Yep. The ones that do churn, why do they churn?
1: Yeah, I think it happens for a variety of reasons. You might have mergers and acquisitions, and and companies may may get folded in. You might some of them might go out of business. Some of the smaller businesses will go out of business. Some of them will use the platform and decide, you know, they want to they have a change of strategy. They want to build some of the software. Others might a, a, a selection of them will go to competitors. At the scale that we're operating at now, where we're driving, you know, the number of accounts and the number of deals that we're doing, it could be for a variety of reasons. But what's interesting in our space is, I think. We are very much a challenger in an eight billion dollar market that is dominated by people like Adobe that have a one point two billion dollar software revenue stream in our market. Yep. So from from the from the market's perspective, we're sort of the fast growth challenger with a net new platform that's open and has you know machine learning and intelligence built in. It's much more cloud. It's much more subscription. All the sort of new software models that we in Silicon Valley take for granted is still not the predominant model
0: in the industry. Would you sell to Adobe for $400 million if they offered it? Well, I think, I think it's
1: fair to say that we've received very healthy acquisition offers you know, at or around the, that range and turned them down.
0: Yeah. And, and, and walk me through as an entrepreneur, how do you manage that risk? I'll never forget the mistake I made at my first company at, where I turned down an acquisition offer that would have changed my life. But I'm like, you know what? I read that Mark turned down Yahoo for a billion. And you know what? My dick's big too, so I'm going to say no. Right? And it was yeah. a huge mistake. So how do you yeah. manage? When do you take your wins and move on to the next big thing?
1: Yeah, I think I think um, you know. There's no right answer to that question. One, it's a very personal question. Each individual, I think, is in a very different spot in their life. And so, one, I would I think you got to ask yourself. You got to not be doing it for ego. You got to be doing it because it's what you really want in your life. No one will reward you for making a bad decision later, but just because you made a decision to satisfy your ego at the time. So, know yourself would be the first thing I would say. The second thing is know your opportunity and be real about it. You know, I think every time you turn down one of these things. The, the moment that I've talked to every entrepreneur about is you have that oh shit moment after you say no, where something bad happens and you're like, man, I should have taken that deal, right? And you got to know that's coming. So it will happen. happen. Yeah, it will happen. You got to know the risks yep. uh, as you do it. And then of course, it's, it's about the rest of your shareholders, ecosystem, customers, employees. I make, I believe in the promises that we make both to our investors, our employees, our customers. So I take those things pretty seriously. It's not just about the money.
0: Uh, last few economics questions here before we wrap up with the famous five. So at 12% gross revenue churn, I mean, what do you assume a minimum is maximum can get dangerous because you're doing so well at churn, but what do you assume a minimum is in terms of lifetime value on these accounts? Once you get them in,
1: um, you know, I think in, in our kind of business, these accounts are with us for a minimum (laughs) of, you know, five to seven years. Yeah. So, you know, that, that, that's kind of a good, that's a good minimum. I mean, many are, 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 I expect longer than that. But yeah, so if you think about lifetime value calculations off of churn, they're very healthy lifetime value calculations.
0: Yeah, I mean, if five years at 250 a year, and I assume that's probably, ex- that ACV is expanding actually year over year, but minimum, that's $1.2, right? That's right. Yeah. Um, how does that help influence what you're willing to spend on CAC?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I, I believe that CAC is about a few things. First, you can look at the lifetime value economics early in a couple company's life cycle. The reality is you actually don't know the lifetime value of your customers. They just haven't been with you long enough. So you can divide by churn and the Excel works, but you don't really know how long they're with you. And I think we're still early. So yes, I look at lifetime value as a ratio of CAC, but I also just simply look at risk. So if you, if you where we are today, we, we tend to spend sales and marketing at a ratio of about a one CAC ratio right uh, a one year payback period basically and that to me seems healthy for where we're at
0: so just to be clear yeah. just to be clear you would if your if your first year acv is 250 you're okay spending that first year acv on acquisitions so 250 i'm okay spending a first year acv because i know at a minimum i've got 5 to 7 years on the back end we've got a
1: high gross margin business plus it's expansion good, revenue plus expansion revenue et cetera, right so it makes sense now arguably one could be more aggressive than that yep as well i mean uh, and i think there it's about risk it's about saying well stuff might change downstream. You know, all kinds of market factors affect your business. You really can't predict for five to seven years out with certainty at the scale of a business. So you need to think about the risk uh, associated with that. And and we have gone back and forth between kind of, I would say eight and nine month payback periods
0: and as long as 15 month payback periods. And it's, it's sort of gyrated through the life. Just depending on cohorts. Totally. Yeah, what's your team size today? About 250 people. All in
1: Mountain View? No, we've got offices in Mountain View, Dallas, uh, a
0: small office in Boston, London, Amsterdam, and Bangalore. Mangalore. interesting. And last question: year over year growth. What are you? What are you targeting? What are you at?
1: Yeah, I think that the the, the, the without talking about today's growth rate, I think that the intention uh, for the company is to get to a point where the company cro- when it crosses a hundred million dollars, it's a profitable company growing at forty to fifty percent year over year, and yeah. we're on track of that.
0: Okay, good. I mean, can you give me a sense over the past twelve months? Have you doubled, tripled year over year? Or? year over year has grown really nicely. Okay. Yeah. I mean, is that more than two or three X? What's really nice for you? Uh, it's grown really nicely without getting into the specific. Okay. Numbers. So just to be clear, my audience may not know what really nice means, but you, that's something you don't want to dive into. Yeah,
1: I'm not, I'm not into diving into the specific growth rates or the exact revenue numbers. I think it's a, it's between 50 to hundred.
0: We're on track. Oh, that's first. great. Good. So, so over the past 12 months, you've grown between 50 so and a hundred
1: percent. The revenues is, is between 50 to hundred million dollars. Got it. And the uh, expectation is that as we approach hundred million dollars, it will grow between forty and fifty percent, and it will be profitable. And that's within sight.
0: Yeah, because of how large numbers work. I mean, it's fair to say you have to be growing faster than that, though. Currently, right? And you're, as you get bigger, you'll settle into forty to fifty.
1: You have to. You have to manage your both the growth and the profitability to achieve those targets. Yeah, because if you're growing really fast and burning really fast, you don't hit the profitability target. And if you're, on the other hand, growing too slowly, you don't hit the growth target. So the, de- the, the art is in balancing both of those. It's, cer- a of
0: it. it's certainly a dance. Let's wrap up here, Raj, with the famous five. Number one, what's the last business book you read?
1: Well, actually, the, the last, well, let me just say the last book that I read that I, I believe applies to business is The Giver, which is, a, a, is kind of a children's book and is about a world without emotions and irrational behavior and no. what that looks like. And what that tells me, by the way, is there's a lot of things we like about our life that are irrational.
0: Number two, is there a CEO in Mountain View you're following or studying?
1: Well, the CEO that I admire the most is, is certainly Jeff Bezos.
0: Um, you know, I think what he's done with Amazon is extraordinary and, uh, you know, a uh, lot to learn from him. Number three, besides your own, what's your favorite online tool for growing the business?
1: Yeah, I think, I think my, my favorite on, online tool to grow the business is actually Salesforce. Uh, I, as much as I like all the cool Martech stuff that we do, I think the single most important thing to get right is use of Salesforce at our scale.
0: Number four, how many hours of sleep are you getting every night? I get about seven to eight. Okay. So that's healthy. And what's your situation? Married single. You have kids. I have two kids and I'm married. Awesome. Two kiddos. And How old are you Raj? I am 42, 42. Okay. What last question? What do you wish your 20 year old self knew? Uh, I wish my 20 year old self, new to get into entrepreneurial
1: undertakings even earlier and i did it pretty early <laughs> how old were you in the first company
0: i was uh 26 all right Guys, there you have it. Raj, get in before you. If you're listening right now and you're past 26, you're too late. Start, go, go faster. At least that, that's what he wishes his 20-year-old self knew. Launched the company, Bloom Reach, back in 2011, scaling nicely, raised their first 5 million. They're now helping over 250, really enterprise customers, paying on average 250 grand a year, uh, manage DXP, right? Digital experiences at scale. They've raised 100 million to date. Uh, looking at, you know, settling in as they look to, you know, you know hit and break the 100 million dollar mark, settling into 40, 50% year over year growth rate, healthy growth rate today, currently doing between 50 and a hundred million bucks in revenue, 12%, again, gross uh, revenue churn annually uh, between 10 and 12%, healthy economics with our team of 120, or sorry, 250 based across Mountain View, Dallas, Boston, London, and a few other locations. Raj, thank you for taking us to the top.
1: Awesome.